Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. I'm Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations for Business of Design. A lot has changed at Business of Design since this episode originally aired. For the latest information and rates on events and membership at Business of Design, head to businessofdesign.com. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me on Business of Design podcast today. I am working right now on a pretty tough project. Uh, It's an addition, which is great, a nice big addition, but it's going to be a little bit more contemporary and the addition is going to bump into a Victorian farmhouse. So I'm kind of struggling with some of the places where those two concepts meet. And I know the way to get through that struggle is by drawing. For me, I sit down at the drawing table. I'm not a great drafts person. I'm not great with drawing, but I work out solutions on paper uh, that make sense. And I also find solutions that don't make any sense that way. I can't even imagine how difficult projects would be if I didn't have the skill of being able to sit down and fill around with drawings. Now, we're all aware uh, of the fact that drawings are an essential part of the work we do, but I want to take the next hour to do a little bit of a deeper dive into what's in a drawing package, what order should you present those drawings in, should there be a disclaimer on your drawings, (laughs) and spoiler alert, yeah, you need a disclaimer, you absolutely do, we're going to find out why, and something else we're going to talk about with our guest who is interior designer Victoria Drainville, Uh, and that's this idea that we are not selling drawings. We are selling a lifestyle. We are selling Friday nights around the dinner table, Saturday morning cuddled up watching cartoons with the kids, and so many more life experiences. Now, if you're like me, and I know you are, you probably, by the time the drawing package is completed, you can visualize the finished project in your mind's eye. It's really alive for you, but typically clients can't do that. So they do need us to present them with a visual package that makes our ideas, and by the way, our ideas are driven by what they want, their desires and their ideas. We have to present them with this visual package that makes that all very enticing and makes them want to jump on board and say yes. So we're going to spend the next hour talking about the drawing package. Well, I'm really excited to have Victoria Drainville on the show today. She has been somebody who has acted as my right hand, sometimes in my right hand and my left hand over the years. Super, super talented interior designer. Hi, Victoria. Hi, Kimberly. It's so nice to talk you? to you in this way. I'm great. Um, and today, that the hour that we're going to spend with you is going to be all about um, how to prepare drawing packages for clients. It sounds so simple. We all go to school, we learn how to draw, and we're sort of told what goes into a drawing package. But now you have more than eight years experience working as a professional interior designer. So you have some knowledge that's no longer theory, but it's very practical when it comes to what do you have to present to the clients, right? That's right, Kimberly. Before we deep dive into the drawing package, I want to give some love to my good friends at Patrick Reynolds Media. They are sponsoring our podcast series for this initial run, and we're very happy to have them. They're experts in producing, filming, editing videos, and Patrick, he's a head guy over there, is also able to coach you on your on-camera performance. So if you're thinking it's time to move the dial up and provide professional video content to your website and social media channels, then give Patrick Reynolds Media 
media a call. Rates are competitive. You'll find them at Patrick Reynolds Media and at businessofdesign.com in our podcast section. All right. Awesome. So Victoria has uh, worked for me for a period of five years full-time as an employee. And someday we'll tell you the story of how she started as an intern and we did not have a job available, but she was too fabulous to let go of. So we just made a job for her. And uh, after the... (laughs) Lucky me. I really do feel lucky. And after that five-year period of full-time employment, we've now switched and you work for me as a contractor, which means you can work for other people too. So you're expanding your skill set and you've kind of changed your business model to do some freelance work. And we'll talk about that uh, through the hour. But particularly, we wanted to focus on drawings and the reason we use a drawing. So let's start with the basics. Why do we even need drawings? Uh, as interior design professionals? Well, essentially, we want to show the client the furniture and the cabinetry to scale, and we want to provide the client with a 2D visual. A lot of clients, um, they they have a hard time visualizing what the space is going to look like. Um, For some, even the two-dimensional drawings um, might be hard for them to interpret, so it might be helpful to use a 3D program like SketchUp. Unfortunately, a program like that is a little more time-consuming, so in terms of billable hours, um, it does eat up a lot more of that, but it can be hugely beneficial. And another uh, very easy, which doesn't take as many hours, would be to provide them with some inspirational images of what the space might look like. Okay, but you hit something, you hit the nail on the head when you said clients can't always visualize spaces. So as a professional, Victoria, I know you've had this experience, I've had this experience. I go into a finished project uh, and maybe I haven't seen it in a while. You know, some of the work has been going on and I haven't been on site as the project manager. But when I walk in, there's a sense of deja vu. I've already seen this house finished in my head long before it was actually actually Mm -hmm. finished. But clients can't do that. So it's really important that we in some way be able to visually show them what's in our heads. That's right. And um, it's really hard for them, even if they're seeing it through the project as it's happening, um, it's hard for them to see it at the end. So if they're seeing it in piecemeal, for example, when the cabinetry is going in, they may see the cabinetry color and be really worried because they haven't seen everything pulled together. So it's also our job to reassure them and to let them know that at the end it will come together when the paint color is there, when the furniture, um, and and it's, so we really have to guide them as well. It's not just the drawings, but also reassuring them that that's what we're there for. You're so right, and I love that you brought that up. And that's a that's a full team effort, isn't it? Reassuring the clients. Don't worry, you're only seeing the cabinets. There's more to come. Leave it with us. Exactly. And um, that's really why they've hired us um, from the get-go. It's because they're having a hard time visualizing it. If they could see it from the beginning, then they wouldn't have hired us in the first place. Absolutely right. Okay, so you are really skilled. I can say this with firsthand knowledge, really skilled at providing drawings, floor plans, elevations, reflected ceiling plans, even perspectives. Um, I go to you on a regular basis when I need drawings. 
whether it's a tiny little mm-hmm. family room remodel, like one that we're doing uh, in the cottage country uh, right now, or it's a full design build, uh, another one we're doing in a different cottage country, I will go to you for all of mm-hmm. those things. As an employer, it's so helpful to me to know who my go-to person is for drawings because you and I have developed almost a shorthand language when we're working together, right? When I say, I want an amazing kitchen like Mrs. Smith's, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Exactly. Um, And a lot of that, sometimes it's the context of actually going on site and seeing what the space is, what the surroundings are um, to get a really good sense and to meet the client as well. And that really gives you the sense of what they want and what they're looking for. Yeah, it really does. So what does the client actually need to see with drawings? Because as the professional, if you're going to then turn those drawings over to a builder, let's say, you've got to have a lot of technical information. But what does the client need to see and what shouldn't the client see? Well, at the beginning, there's really no sense getting into um, notes or the dimensions. They don't really need to see that at the beginning. So you can save a little bit, bit of time by not doing that because at the very first meeting, you really want to know if they're liking the direction in which it's going. So there's no sense of putting too much detail there because they may not like the direction at all and they may want to do significant changes, especially when it comes to uh, custom vanities, built-ins, kitchen cabinetry. Once the client is happy with the drawings, then you can start adding the details and that could just be discussed in the meeting. So we can talk about the colors, the finishes of the doors, the interior type, it might be the hardware selection, um, and then some details about, for example, are the doors soft self-close, is there going to be lighting requirements, that sort of thing. And once those are determined, you can put those notes onto the drawing in, in which you'll give to a kitchen cabinetry maker, for example, and they'll be the ones um, who will really be putting that onto the shop drawings for approval by the designer. Yeah, often um, the client never even asks us to see all those dimensioned plans. We have them. We have them readily available. But when I'm doing the presentation, I'll pull out the pretty plans that don't have a lot of numbers on them. Now, if they turn around and ask me, what's the size of this? What's the dimension of that? The drawings are to scale. That's important. And I can pull out Mm -hmm. my scale ruler and I can tell them, you know, you're drawing your cabinet size is X, Y, Z. But you're right. We don't want to overwhelm them with a lot of notes about, for example, soft close hardware um, right at that presentation meeting. But we are prepared to talk about that if that comes up. Uh, Now, what I do want to point out, Kimberly, is that from one firm to the next, it's not always the same um, process. So my experience when I was working with you is that we would have a very streamlined um, presentation where everything at that time was presented, which included the finishes, the drawings, um, as well as the estimate with the price so that the client could decide at that time if they wanted to move forward. And most of the time, I would say actually 99% of the time, they always did. I've also had the experience with the other firms where a lot of that work goes up front and they've decided to make changes at that point. Um, So it's a little, it's done a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. 
you're, you've had now the experience of working for several different firms, so it's interesting that you're able to see the difference between doing a presentation at step five and really presenting everything versus the old school way of working where you do a meeting and then you do another meeting and you do a third meeting. And one of the things you kind of touched on is those billable hours. So we always tell our clients that mm -hmm. we are kind of we bill sort of top heavy because in order for us to do a thorough presentation, including a full drawing package, including choosing the furniture, including pricing everything, that takes a lot of hours. But the advantage of that is by the time we do that presentation at step five, they are fully invested in our way of working. And like you just said, 99% of the time, the clients go forward without making any changes because they're so happy it's been so thoroughly thought out. So your perspective is interesting because you have to put on a different hat when you go work for a different firm. Yeah, but what's so great um, with your procedures is that the client can really step back after step number five and, and really everything has been decided on they really don't have to have any more involvement until the end of the project when they're doing when we're doing the reveal and they're stepping in for the first time and seeing everything. So it's really great because then at that point they completely trust us and know exactly where the project is headed. Yeah. Now you've had um, I know because we've had a couple conversations. You've worked for quite a few people now as you're a contract person, and you've had the experience of working for firms where they didn't have their systems buckled down. So can you give us an example? Uh, around a system that wasn't kind of figured out and what sort of chaos that may have caused you? I have a few examples. I mean, it can be as easy as not having the proper folders when um, we start a client file. So, for example, in ours, every time we had a client, we would have a contract folder. We would have furnishing schedules uh, in which we would have any notes, drawings, photos, etc., and it's really important to, to do something as small as that procedure because any correspondences that we have with the client are captured in their file so that if anybody had to help out on the project, they know exactly what stage the project is at and they can understand everything and find everything. Mm -hmm. So it could be from as easy as, as something like that to, let's say, the tracking form and having a tracking form. Uh, I worked with one company that didn't have one and it was such a large company that items would come in and they would get stored somewhere and I had no knowledge that it had even arrived, so it wasn't getting put onto my tracking form, which I had created for myself. Um, so when it came time to trying to figure out when we were doing an installation, I wasn't even sure if the items had been received or not. So wow. a lot of duplicate work was happening, contacting the supplier to see where something was when it was sitting right there at the office. Wow. And I know a lot of designers aren't even familiar with what a tracking form is. So literally, when you purchase any item for a client, a chair, a table, anything, or even when you're purchasing labor, you know, you've got electrical uh, contractor coming in to install the island light fixture. Everything goes on a tracking list so you can determine where that product is. Where is that? What's the status of that item? And you're right. Like, what chaos that would create for anybody. You're so right. It's funny, we're going to do a whole hour on protocols with a really good friend of mine, Lyndon Cordemanche, who is kind of an expert in style guides. And what you just said is so true. Even the simplest thing like having regular um, systems for how you file away the information about every single client so you can easily get your hands on things when you need it. It just creates stress in your life for no reason when you don't have a system. That's right. 
And uh, the tracking form is also a really great checklist as well. So it's a place where you can um, list out before it even is the tracking form. It has all of the furniture items. And as you said, the labor is indicated there too, so that you make sure that all of that is included in the estimate when it comes time to actually telling the client what the cost is going to be. So it's a great checklist and um, anybody who's not using it certainly should be. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So true. Now I definitely want to talk about disclaimers because we get this question a lot when we do a drawing package for clients. And of course we're billing them for the time it takes to do the drawings. Every single one of our drawings has a huge disclaimer on it. What are the kinds of things you would put on a drawing package as a disclaimer and why would you have a disclaimer? Well, it's really important to have the disclaimer because although we've taken measurements and we've drawn things out to scale, there's a lot of factors that happen once construction actually starts. So, for example, um, when they actually take down walls, when the contractor is actually there taking down walls or adding walls, there can be some discrepancies. Sometimes it's only a few inches, but those inches really matter. So what's mm -hmm. important is we're giving the client a sense of what the kitchen, for example, might look like. So we're designing all of the cabinetry, but it's really important at the end when it comes time for the cabinetry maker to to build the furniture that they, they go in and they take their own measurements. And what we then do is we'll approve the shop drawings and any changes that the cabinetry maker might have to make because of um, something that was not seen, so unforeseen circumstances that maybe have been caught through the project, those have to be indicated to us so that we make sure that the client understands because we're the ones in communication with the client about those changes. Mm -hmm. And that kind of stuff happens all the time. I remember one particular scenario where we were doing a kitchen. It seemed like the easiest job in the whole world. Lovely couple. We had done work for them before. And when we opened up the walls, we found this pipe running through the walls that was absolutely bizarre. None of us could figure out what this pipe was for or why it was there, but sure enough, it was a huge metal pipe. The clients happened to be in Australia, so it was very difficult for us to get them on the phone and kind of convey what was going on, and then we had to change uh, the drawings. So on the drawing mm -hmm. package, we have dis disclaimers for a variety of reasons because things change. That's what you just said. Things change, and that's true. Right. Um, but also there's a philosophy of you know measure twice, right? Cut once. Definitely. And we go in at trade day and we do all those measurements and then you don't get to go back until you do a presentation. Mm -hmm. So it's also a way, isn't it, of allowing you the opportunity to go back and double check and make sure you were accurate the first time. Exactly. I'm sure it's really important, as you said, to measure twice. Yeah. And um, the other reason I like having a disclaimer is in the event a client decides to go forward and do the project without you, it really doesn't happen in our office very often because by the time we do that presentation at step five, they're heavily invested in us providing them this full service turnkey uh, operation. However, let's just say something changes, the economy changes, or somebody is, uh, they're in the middle of getting a divorce, something's changed. And now they've paid for those drawings, they own those drawings. And let's say you're just dismissed as a designer, you're no longer, your services are no longer required. If your drawings go out into the world, and they build your drawings, and something's wrong on the drawing, you have some liability and responsibility. So really what we're saying is protect yourself with those disclaimers. That's right. And um, 
part of my experience where I'm working presently is I'm actually receiving drawings from the architect as well. So I'm actually not doing any of the base drawings. I'm receiving them from an architect um, and working on those drawings. And of course, they have their own disclaimers as well, because again, things might change as walls come down or are built. So it's important for them to have it. And that once we start using the drawings, that our disclaimers are there as well. Yeah. Now, I can't, I'm not sure I can remember 100% what our disclaimers say off the top of our head, but I know it says something about not to scale for discussion purposes only, when in fact, it really is to scale. It is to scale, and it's important to have a scale on the drawing, or at least to let the client know if there is not uh, a scale indicated. From time to time, we've done some more inspirational elevations to, sh to show the client what they might um what, the, uh, for example, a kitchen might look like or an elevation might look like. Um, so it's important to tell them if it's not to scale and that it has to be measured to make sure that it really is possible to draw it that way mm -hmm. or to design it that way. Yeah. Now, you mentioned something I want to touch base on, and that has to do with that trade day. You said you might have missed a detail. Maybe we were busy and we didn't notice that there was a vent on the floor in a particular place or that there was a, a radiator mm -hmm. underneath a window, which would uh, interfere with our window coverings. So one of the things that we do at trade day is we take photographs of everything. And Victoria, how many times do we go back to those darn photographs as we're building a client presentation? All the time. Yeah. All the time. And you can really never take too many because sometimes you'll think you've taken a lot of photos and then look back and think, oh, there's that one angle I didn't take. I, I mean, one that I, it's so important is ceiling details because sometimes we'll forget about pot lights or where the lights are located, whether or not there was crown molding or any trim work. So uh, photos are, are really key. Yeah. And I've, so many times I've looked at the photos and I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't even remember there was a beam there. Thank goodness we looked. That's right. You know, or um, as you mentioned, pot lights so often will be asked to, you know, redecorate the family room, let's say. We're looking at those before photos, and we didn't even realize that the pot lights look like they're from 1964. You know, they're, they're about That's 18 right. inches in circumference. <laughs> and uh, perhaps yeah. it's time to update those pot lights. And so at that, at that moment, as we're looking at those uh, before images, we are also in a position where we can go back to the client and talk about the scope of work and say, you know, we didn't talk about the pot lights, but they look really old. Now would be the time to replace them with retrofits that are much smaller. How would you feel about that? Exactly. It couldn't be more in agreement. It's, uh, it's a lot to take in, even on a trade day or at several meetings. Um, can't remember everything that's in the space. So again, um, couldn't stress enough that taking the photos um, and taking lots of them are, are key. Yeah. Now, a lot of our business of design um, listeners are owner operators. They work for themselves. So they're not lucky enough to have a Victoria. Although I can tell you, you should get Victoria. <laughs> Victoria, I don't know what your timing, <laughs> I don't know what your bandwidth is like these days, but she is phenomenal at doing drawings and uh, she'll change your life for sure. So by all means, we'll give you Victoria's <laughs> I contact. I enjoy doing them, yeah. <laughs> well, you're yeah, good at I it. I enjoy doing them, yeah. You're good at it. Thank now, you. I want to ask about how long it takes to do a drawing because a lot of designers who are owner-operators worry um, sometimes 
too much, I think, about billing the clients too much. Is it going to cost too much money if I do this thorough drawing package? So can you talk a little bit about how long it takes to do drawings? Well, drawings take a lot of time, and uh, every space has its own set of challenges. Uh, whether the space is small or it's really large, um, both of them can take equally a lot of time. Um, to me, I wouldn't be worried about um, thinking that it's going to take a lot in terms of billable hours because you're saving the client a lot of money, them having a designer, because they're hiring the de- designer who is the expert and who's going to save the time to get the design right the first time. Mm-hmm. So I actually had... A personal client one time who told me that Lowe's provided kitchen drawings for free and I said well then that's great that you know maybe you'll want to go with Lowe's if that's the case but when I saw the drawings they were essentially giving the designer or sorry the client exactly what they had it was just updated cabinetry so it doesn't necessarily mean that it's that it's going to save them anything then long term it's actually not working to get the client really what they want so yes drawings take a lot of time but in the long run it's actually saving the money and at the end of the day they're spending a lot of money to get to do the renovation so um they should be spending and or investing in the designer to help them get there more efficiently have you had a lot of experience victoria with clients balking at fees complaining about fees either firsthand experience or have you have you seen that dealt with at any of the companies that you work for I did. I had one experience where the client um, was really not happy with the billable hours because at the end of the day, they weren't happy with the design. And sometimes, I think very few times, there are actually some clients who probably don't really want to work with a designer. They already have a vision. Maybe they don't know how to communicate it. Um, but I do believe there, there are times when you have to, as a designer, say it's not going to be a right fit. Um, perhaps you should just consider speaking to a contractor directly because you seem to already know what it is that you want. Uh, I think there are some cases where the designer um, really can't make the client happy. Mm -hmm. And I've I've worked for companies who've tried to make the 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 client happy by lowering the fee, but it really doesn't work because if you do it once, they're going to expect it all of the time, and and our fees are not negotiable. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yes. I want to just say amen. (laughs) I want to. That's right. Um, You're you're training them then, aren't you, you to negotiate? That's right. Yeah. That's right. And. And uh, really, if there is those set of problems at the beginning, you can anticipate that those problems will continue all along. So in, in, in this case where we had a client um, who wasn't happy about billable hours, we actually terminated the agreement um, because there was really no sense going forward. Yeah, none of us really wants to be in a position where we're arguing to get paid. You know, no professionals really have to go. You can't imagine a school teacher having to go to the principal every month and justify her work and beg to be paid and renegotiating her salary. It doesn't work that way. So at some point, the clients have to decide that this is an investment that's worthwhile. You're, you're, so, you're so right. Um, now, when it comes to the drawing package, who gets to decide what drawings are required? Should the client decide what drawings are required or does the designer decide what drawings are required? Well, it really depends what the project is. So 
it's very important at the base to always have base plans with and, and do the furniture plan to, to know where items are going to go, to know if custom cabinetry can even fit in the space. So the plans are crucial if they're, they're an essential. Now, when it comes to the elevations, the, I mean, elevations are very time consuming, but it really helps. I mean, without them, you can always show a photograph and say, this is what we're going to try to make the, the cabinetry look like. But because the dimensions might be very different, they have to have that visual and those drawings are needed at a certain point regardless. So um, I would say it's very important to have the base drawings and then to have the elevations. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's not up to the client. It's really, uh, it's part of the process. Yeah, it is. I really, it's funny because sometimes, you know, we, we all want to save our clients money when that's reasonable. And I've thought on a couple of occasions, oh, this is a tiny little family room. We don't really need drawings, you know, sofa, a couple of chairs. And every single time I have done that, I have lived to regret it. So today, um, if I only need to do floor plans and I don't need elevations, then it's my responsibility not to build the client for something they don't need. But if I do need the elevations, mm -hmm. then I'm going to have um, somebody do those drawings, somebody like Victoria. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it can always start with a sketch, just a concept sketch. But um, as I said, when it comes time to actually building, you have to know those measurements regardless. Those drawings have to be made and to see if it's possible and what it really looks like within the dimensions of the space. Yeah, absolutely. Let me ask about the number of drawings that can be in a drawing package and whether or not, Victoria, is there an order to them when you do a presentation? Uh, there certainly is. Um, I always start with the floor plans. If it's right into the furniture plans, we'll, we'll start there. And what I like to do is as I'm doing the presentation with the client is actually walking through the space from the entrance and then you know, going around, whether it's the living room and kind of doing a flow from one area to the next. Mm -hmm. um, it's really important to look at that before the elevations and when it comes time to then talk about that in more detail. So say you're in the kitchen, you go into the elevations of the kitchen to show what that's going to look like. Um, after that, there's also the reflective ceiling plan. So again, part of the plans Sometimes the client's not interested in, in, in looking at that, but it's certainly a part or a discussion that's going to have to be had with the electrician, um, whether it's pre a, a home that's just being renovated uh, and the lighting scheme might be changing, especially if there's new cabinetry, the lighting might change in the space. Mm -hmm. So that's really crucial. Uh, then we go into the hard finishes, especially again. So if we've come into the kitchen now, now we're showing them what the finishes are going to be. Um, and then the soft finishes like the fabrics to show them drapery and any custom furniture, what, what that's going to, what that's going to be upholstered in. Yeah, there is an order to it, isn't it? And then that gives you kind of confidence because, you know, every single time, it doesn't matter if it's a full renovation or a design build project or a tiny bedroom makeover, every single time, I'm going to present the floor plans first. And we like doing that because, as you said, Victoria, we want to make sure that the function and flow of the space makes sense, right? You can spend a lot of money on beautiful furniture, but if the function and flow isn't there, it's wasted money. Yeah, and it really is a story, and it should be almost told as a story as you're going through the space because it can be very overwhelming for the client. There's a lot of finishes sometimes, especially when we're doing a whole house. So, you know, to start with the floor plan so that they really understand where everything is going, what everything is labeled as, and then to move on into more details and then yeah. actually show them the pretty stuff like the hard finishes and the fabrics. 
That is such a good way to describe it. It's a story. You want to romance it for them. They're not buying a floor plan, right? They're buying Friday nights in their home. They're buying weekends with the kids. They're buying uh, this lifestyle and experience. And it's really exciting to be a part of that. And so you want to translate that. That's such a good point. Like you're showing them the living room and you're saying, you know how you have an annual Christmas party. Isn't this going to be a fun layout when you have all the relatives here? That's right, because you're not just seeing what fits in the space, but really um, incorporating the the wish list that they had during the first meeting at the consultation mm-hmm. when they asked or they told them told us about themselves. It's really about incorporating all of that. So if they do like to entertain and and they want to have that um, that feeling in their kitchen, then maybe you're doing a really big island for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's it's really about listening to them and 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 making that come to realization. Yeah. Now, how often do you do an option two or an option B? I would say if there's a design that's a little bit more outside of the box and you're not sure that the client is going to want to do that, you might have that in your back pocket. Mm -hmm. But most of the time, I wouldn't even show it to them, or maybe that would be more the safe option, I should say. So, you know, you're showing the the more out there, here's the one, this is the, the direction we'd really like you to go in. Um, and if you're worried that the client is, is not going to want to do that, you'll have that second option uh, available, but not part of the package. You might actually just have it to the side and say, well, you know, I was worried you might not like that, so I did come up with a plan B. But you also don't want them to feel like you've been designing many, many plans and wasting billable hours. Mm-hmm. You know what? It's so funny that you said that because when I first started, and I know a lot of uh, owner-operators feel this way, when you first start, you think you're showing the client how talented you are by giving them 15 options. We could do this or we could do mm-hmm. this. And oh my God, this would be great. What about this? And really what I what I did when I was doing that is I was confusing the heck out of the client. So now what I've learned over and over again, clients would say to me, Kimberly, what would you do? What would you do? So really what I'm saying with the presentation is this is what I would do if this were my home. And that That's gives right. them incredible exactly. confidence. And that, and that's really why they've hired a designer in the first place is because they don't want to be overwhelmed with many options. They really want the designer to say with confidence, this is what I would do. Um, so it really makes sense to develop one solid plan where you've really listened to what it is that they that they want and to do that and not have multiple plans because that can be confusing for everyone. Mm-hmm. And then when we, um, as you know, when we do the presentation, we do present the reflected ceiling plan. We do re- re- um, present the switches and outlets plan uh, because I find a lot of times um, clients don't understand how critically important that is. And a lot of builders will say, oh, don't worry about that. We'll do a walkthrough later. But in fact, in, mm-hmm. in my experience, when you're sitting down at that drawing stage, typically that's done in your office, cup of coffee by your side, maybe somebody you work with that you love and you're bouncing ideas back and forth off each other. You're super relaxed. You're super calm. You're confident. You're thinking about when I walk in the room and I turn on a switch, what lights do I need to go on? And do I need to have another place in the room if I'm leaving the room where I'm going to turn off all those lights? I find I can have those conversations with myself so much better at my office than I can when I'm standing on site with 14 tradespeople staring at me saying, do you want a pot light here, lady? Yeah. Well, I, I've done it both ways. 
And I do think that um, having those plans up front from the get-go is really important because it is part of the design process. It's about, you know, where does it make sense to have those lights? And sometimes it's not always possible. You know, we may want a pot light in a certain scheme, but everything has to shift two inches because of mm-hmm. feeling joyce or whatever the case might be. And, and, and those concessions have to be made. But at least the plans are there. And when it comes time to, to putting in, for example, that pot light scheme, the electrician can say, hey, I'm going to have to move it. Does, it. does it affect your design? And that conversation can be had. But you're right. Um, it's better to know and to really think about lighting um, what, when you're doing the design at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, for the record, I don't know how to do AutoCAD or SketchUp or any of it. And I'm so grateful I don't because I'm sure I would spend, you know, four times uh, as much of my mm-hmm. time getting to the result that you get to very quickly. Um, so for those who are owner operators, don't be afraid to outsource that task. That's a really critically important task. And when you do outsource it, you can, uh, you can bill that out at a higher rate than you pay for it. Um, Victoria, it doesn't offend you to know that when I hire you and I pay you X number of dollars, that when I sell that time to the client, I sell it at a higher rate, does it? It certainly doesn't because there's so much more that you're also as a firm that you're liable for. So you're taking on um, ownership of all of that. And right. um, that's part of in, in the overhead costs that you have by owning a business. So it certainly makes sense that you would bill that out at a higher rate. Um, and, and this goes for a lot of things that we do in our business where um to the point where we're even getting discounts at stores and we're mar- marking it out or, or with trade, sometimes we'll have to mark that up. That's part of the service and covering our own costs because things don't always go 100% right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's, that's when it's needed to, um, to cover those costs. Yeah, I, I love your perspective on that and that you recognize that the owner is ultimately the one who has the liability and needs the big heavy insurance because in the event something goes wrong, um, I'm the person who's going to have the lawyers phoning her, <laughs> right? Um, so right. I, I appreciate right. that you know that. Um, don't be afraid to outsource work. You know, in addition to drawing, you can outsource your accounting, your bookkeeping. All of those things are billable hours. And Victoria knows that our philosophy is if the client would have to do it if you weren't on the job, then it's billable time, Mm -hmm. you know, if it's something that they would have to do, if they would have to track the product that they've ordered, or would they have to phone the supplier and make sure that that supplier got paid? If that's the case, and it's a task that's necessary, then it's okay to bill for that task. That's right. And I've had um, uh, an experience one time where the client actually it was funny that you mentioned the tracking part of the project, um, because that seems like when when a client's reading that in their billable hours, oh, the time to track something that couldn't possibly take very long. But it actually, in fact, does. And we know that I had a client who thought they would take that part on themselves and realized how extensive it really is and said, no, no, I'm going to leave it to you. <laughs> so that was very short lived and, and brought it back to the designers. No, you handle all of that because the timing of everything. I mean, it's it's it's, it's a very difficult task. 
Yeah. It's so funny that you've had this experience of working for different firms. And so you have to put on a different hat all the time and learn different protocols. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I'm waiting for the day that Victoria goes 100% on her own and will be very, very busy with (laughs) tons of clients and will bill more than all of us combined because she'll be be worth it. And you've got the skill set behind you. So uh, anyway, I can't say enough nice things about you. And uh, you're a tremendous guest. You're a really good guest. I would love to have you back sometime. Maybe we could talk about trade day next time. That would be great. I'd be happy to do it. It's a fun day, trade day. And Victoria is the only person I know who goes to trade day in six inch heels. So uh, she's very (laughs) popular with all of the trades who show up. (laughs) Unlike me and I'm wearing my chucks. (laughs) Yep. In mud and all. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Victoria, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us on the drawing packages. In all seriousness, if you don't have anybody doing your drawings, Victoria is a wonderful resource. We're going to give you her information. Go to the website, businessofdesign.com, and you'll find all the information you need there. Victoria, I look forward to having you back as a guest very soon, sweetie. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.